Happy, Happy 500! 500. <laughs> Outstanding! You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. It doesn't matter if you have a Jeep. Wait a minute. This is a big deal. Josh, it is a big deal. Wendy, this is a big deal. Did you guys realize that Gabriel did not blow his horn? That we the world did not end, and at least we got to start our five hundredth episode. Well, when I heard the fat lady singing, I, I guess that was just you in a wig. But uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna keep going. So this is awesome. Yeah, five hundred episodes of the Jeep Talk Show over ten years of published Jeep talk uh, in one form or another. This is uh, this, this is a big deal. They we were, are a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. We've been, we've been saying it for take years. Take a toast to both yourselves. <laughs> we've been saying it for years, and now maybe it's actually true. No, it's not true, but <laughs> but it sounds good. So, Wendy, you recently did a, a segment where you were talking about how many episodes that you've been on in the show. Uh, uh-huh. Did you did you have an actual count for how uh, how many you've uh, how many episodes this is for you? Yeah, this will be sixty three for me. Wow, and and Josh, you're three episodes, seventy five, a hundred. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're probably a hundred at least. <laughs> at least, <Minimum>. yeah. I, <laughs> I take off my shoes and socks so, to count that up. So I would guess you're you got to be in the four hundreds, uh, like four fifty, four seventy five. I was going to say probably. I'm probably 450, 475 because I came on real early. And God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> for, for jumping in there because it got a lot more fun for me. Well, we t- we mentioned it. I took a hiatus because it was uh, it was just me uh, alone with my thoughts. I, that's when I found the show was during your hiatus. <laughs> and was like, hey, yeah, you know, I this can- this guy does need help. This- he needs help. <laughs> I can help him here. <laughs> yeah, I showed up. I got here early, and then Tony locked the door. I haven't been able to leave since. <laughs> nope, he's stuck in the basement, folks. He just cannot even find him. 500 episodes and oh man it's just well, and more than amazing. that because we had we had uh what a year of you know the call-in show and you know yep. and stuff like that um and that, that's not even in counting you know the other stuff that we've done and, and all that so well, i mean there's we, we try things to entertain the listener so not everything does but fortunately some things do and oh and that's a great segue because we're trying something new for the listener again we're doubling we our episodes Cue the double minute right. commercial. Yeah, double the fun. Double your pleasure. <laughs> double your pleasure. Yeah. Here, here we go. I never could talk two twins into this. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is as close as I got. So yeah, we're going to be doing two episodes a week. And uh, uh, and you guys didn't complain. So uh, I, I came up with, we're going to continue to release the episode on Friday. And we're going to epi- uh, re- release the next episode Monday, bright and early. So you can uh, schedule the download or maybe download before you go and get in the car and you're headed back to work. Uh, so you'll be able to listen to the Jeep Talk Show two days a week. And can you can five start your be, week off. Yeah, can five yep. be far behind? <laughs> oh, How dare you? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> What did he say, Josh? Uh-uh. <laughs> he, that's, not, that's not part he, of my contract. He's talking about that. 
He's talking about that pipe dream that we've had for years about getting on like yes. you know satellite uh, XM Sirius Radio or or you know some, uh, uh, some sort of a, a big stick picking us up and and, uh, yeah. and putting us on the airwaves. So you know we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. Here we go. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tony, and you're listening to XM Sirius Satellite. Oh, I, it will never. It'll never happen because it's Sirius XM. I just screwed it. Uh, <laughs> I got to get these guys. We're not signing that contract. So, as I like to say, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep on a Jeep or never driven anything, but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about big deals with Spotify and X- Sirius XM. I got it right that time, oh, right? And <laughs> Jeeps. Oh, and Jeeps. Not, folks. Of course, Jeeps. <laughs> Hello, fellow Jeeper. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'm going to talk about the results of a head-to-head competition with Jeep and two of its closest rivals. And this microchip shortage is making national news. We're going to have an update on what's going on in the auto industry. And later, we introduce a new segment to the show, and we'll be talking with you, the listener, in our Campfire Side Chat segment. So, stick around. Howdy, it's Wendy, and today I share picking a line, not to be confused with picking your nose. <laughs> what about, what you the hell? Well, you're the you TMI. You're, this and, is, I'm wearing off on you. Wendy. And you can, yes, and you can pick a line. <laughs> it's the 500th episode. you got to go big or go home, right? That's right. I'm Tony, and tonight I'll be talking about the Motobilt, Motobilt uh, Crusher Stubby Bumper for either the Jeep GL Wrangler or the JT Gladiator, and I recently installed this, so I know what I'm talking about. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. So, a Ford Bronco, a Jeep Wrangler, and a Land Rover Defender all walk into a bar. Yep. Stop me if you've heard this one. And by bar, I mean the woods, as in nature, the great wilderness, complete with trails, obstacles, and fun. As you would expect, there was a clear winner and one vehicle that didn't even make it past the first obstacle. No. I'm pretty sure. I think you know how this goes. <laughs> oh, no. So, the website, uh, magazine, I really don't know who these people are, but they have a lot of money and they got to play with these three rigs in the rough and pitted them all against each other in a head-to-head off-road three-way battle royale. Auto Evolution is what they're called, and it was clear by the article I read that the three test drivers all pretty much knew how this was going to go down as well. Starting off with uh, an on-paper comparison, we start to see where one of these kids is playing out of their league. The Land Rover Defender is the only unibody vehicle in the lineup, and having a unibody off-roader myself, I really don't see this as too much of an hindrance. Then there's the whole suspension articulation setups between these three vehicles. The Wrangler is the only one with two solid axles, whereas the Bronco only has one in the rear. The Defender, on the other hand, has independent suspension in all four corners, which is, well, great for driving on the road, but not as ideal once the pavement ends. Now, let's talk about traction. As far as the tires go, at least, well, the Wrangler came to play, of course, and needed no special trim or package to go off-road. Same goes for the Bronco, more or less, but Ford did have to spring for the full Sasquatch package in order to get both the ground clearance, suspension travel, as well as, I'm going to call it cheating, with 35-inch off-road tires just to qualify. The Defender can only take 19-inch wheels or larger. Oh my the test God. vehicle had 20s on it. Now, I'll do the math for you here, and let's just say that that leaves very little room for the actual tire itself, let alone anything to air down for added traction. Land Rover at least had the wherewithal to equip the Defender with optional factory off-road tires, but the difference compared to its two competitors was clearly obvious. So, like I said, I think you already know how this went. 
Now, right off the bat, Land Rover's big wheels and low-profile all-terrain tires proved to be a losing combination. Even with the <laughs> tires aired down a little bit, the Defender struggled to get over the first rock and ended up finding the pointy side of another rock and punctured its right front tire. <laughs> Opened the sidewall right up. And even dented the wheel as well. No! The spare tire was, yep, the spare tire was mounted and uh, the rock still needed to be cleared. And despite having more PSI than its predecessor, the spare too was punctured. And the Land Rover was left to spend the night with the Coyotes. The Jeep and the Bronco <laughs> both didn't have any problems with any of the obstacles, but Ford did have a harder time sticking to a line. The Wrangler was equipped with a hybrid powertrain, being the 4XE model, and started to climb up the mountain using only electric power. However, the claimed 30-odd mile EV range turned into just a little over three miles of actual <laughs> off-road driving. Wait, wait, really? And its parent company, Stellantis, <laughs> still have a long way to go before off-roading can be electrified. However, the added torque proved to set the Jeep apart, <laughs> and I think we all know who the king and reigning off-road champion is and always will be, Jeep. Jeep. You know what? <sighs> I mean, seriously, we need a section that says... You should have talked to Josh or you should have listened to Josh because right. you said this a while back on several episodes that that so-called 30-mile range was not going to last. And oh, I even commented, not. too, on any of yeah. our Black Diamond trails. There is no way. You put on a weekend where you're sitting back and waiting for how many people to get through the line. Come on now. <laughs> 3.1 yeah. miles. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. I think that the Jeep's claimed 30-odd mile EV range uh, for that 4XE Wrangler is really on pavement only. I think I'm that's the only sure. way, you know, slightly downhill grade, a good tailwind. I think that's the only way that they're really going to get anywhere near 30 miles of EV range out of, out of the Wrangler. As soon as you start putting in a bunch of obstacles, drag, you know, the engine's got to, you know, come up. you got to use a lot more power to climb up over that log and stuff like that. You know, all of that is going to reduce your battery time significantly. And I've been talking mm -hmm. about this ever since this 4XE BS came out. And, exactly. And the claims of it, I was like, okay, you know, it, it's great, but I want to see real-world tests. Here's one of them, and guess what? You've got, you know, a tenth of what you claim, what Jeep is claiming uh, that the range is on these things. So a lot of work still to do in the, uh, in the electrification, as it were, for Jeep. It is too early, people. It's too early. We do not have a significant, a high enough power density for this. It, it's all political bullshit is all that amounts it really to. Is. Yeah. It, yep. It's, it's it uh, you know, virtue signaling, if, if nothing else. Hey, look, we did it. You know, here's our, our submission. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't blame us for, for, you know, the hole in the ozone or whatever. Yeah, and, and talk about tying your hand behind your back to, in a contest. They took the 4XE out there with those other two. I mean, that's it, amazing to me. I mean, kudos for, for Jeep and FCA of making something that works so well that's a, that's a hybrid vehicle. But uh, I really would have thought that you'd go out there with a, a fully functional 100% yeah. Jeep and not something that is, you know, a it wasn't hybrid. Even, you know, Rubicon package or anything. So, yeah, I mean, this... Maybe it wow. was just to sort of prove, you know, hey, look, you know, this thing can do it. Well, it's for uh, I'm glad they did it. I'm, honestly, I'm glad they did yeah, it. Yeah, no, because, no. You know, it, it, the, really with the way it came out. The door, pulled the curtain back on, on what this really is. 
But I would have seen this world test. I would have called shenanigans though if the Jeep had lost. Oh, it's a four XE thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. But but you know what? But here's the problem that four XE, however you want to pronounce it, four by E, whatever they want to say. You know what? When we had newbies out from Redlands uh, Jeep, and there was one person that was driving that partway through the trail. This is an easy trail. No rocks. No major anything. Halfway through, Jeep stops. We got to get out and figure out how to put it into the other mode so they can actually get out of this area. So we've had firsthand experience, and yes, it's not ready. <laughs> so you start adding complexity to a machine, and you it, it causes issues. I, I do not like hybrids. Uh, I, all electric or all you know uh, gas or diesel. That's 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 well, the way it is for, for me. I, I don't want something that is half this and half that because it's half ass one thing and half ass the other. Well, and Jeep in their, you know, in their infinite wisdom has complicated off-roading so much by, you know, uh, the whole locker technology just in the JKs, you know, alone, you can't, you can't have, um, you know, uh, lockers on in, in two-wheel drive or, you know, you can't have it on in four, in four high or something like that. I mean, it's, it's BS. Yeah, it really you is. You know, just give us the off-road ability and let us determine when and how to turn it on and off. Just give us a button, a lever, whatever. But don't mm-hmm. sit there and put a bunch of software and, and other things in our way that this, this, and this all have to be in place in order for you to go off-road. Just F you. Give me the lever. Put it in four low. I'm going to stomp the pedal. Here we go. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think they've probably been burned so many times by people uh, not reading the manual, not understanding what's what's going on oh, and, I breaking, and breaking oh, things. So let's make it even more complex to where now you have to well, RTFM just to figure out your Jeep or, ne- or then you, you, you bring the whole... The, the whole trip to a complete standstill, like, you know, Wendy's yeah. run here, uh, and get, well, I, I don't well, know, they keep just stopped. I got to figure out how to put it back into four-wheel drive. Th- think and about that's it. exactly what happened. Those yeah. people didn't read the manual. They didn't know how to get it out of the electric side. I think mean, about it, like, though, from, from a <laughs> standpoint of them, of FCA, or Stellantis having to pay for something that somebody broke. Well, uh, our records here, the, the computer says that you bypassed this, or you you put something in there so that you could manually select this, or this is what was going on at the time. So they've got basically a tattletale in the vehicle to protect themselves from, you know, uh, warranty claims. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised they don't have a mud sensor for that. What was it, that gladiator that it did, they didn't want yeah. <laughs> to pay for because it, it was muddy? <laughs> oh, so I, I understand. I mean, it's it's a big thing. When you're, when you're like the number one off-road vehicle, you're a big target. Uh, so, and I'm not saying that's exactly what they're doing, but I can understand if they are doing that because now they have some, not plausible deniability, but that's the best, best term I can come up with at the moment. Well, speaking about, uh, what Jeep is doing, what Jeep's not doing, according to Carlos Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, Jeep's parent company, the global semiconductor chip shortage that has hit automakers around the world and constrained vehicle production will easily drag into 2022. The semiconductor crisis from everything I see, and I'm not sure I see everything, is going to drag into 22 easily because I don't see enough signs that additional production from the Asian sourcing points is going to come to the West in the near future, Tavares said. The global chip shortage comes as a demand for cars has spiked during the global economy's recovery from the coronavirus, uh, driving up pieces, uh, prices of new and used vehicles. Some automakers have adapted to the chip shortage by dropping features from their models, while others have built vehicles entirely without the necessary chips and then parked them in storage lots until their assemblies can be finished later. Wow. Stellantis is considered. Yeah, I know. That's a big move. 
Stellantis Except is considering when the changing. flood comes and then wipes out your inventory. <laughs> oh, right. Insurance. Yeah. Insurance. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, and, and, uh, with that story, though, remember, a lot of those were chipped vehicles even, and those chips oh, were all true. had to be sacrificed because oh, yeah. uh, they, they were complete vehicles and, uh, and they were, yeah, they were flooded. Now, Stellantis is considering changing the diversity of the chips it intends to use moving forward. However... It takes roughly 18 months to re-engineer a vehicle to yeah. use a different chipset because of the sophistication of the technology involved. Atvari said that Stellantis will continue to prioritize its highest profit models with the chips it is receiving, echoing an approach taken by other automaker rivals. Now, what this will mean for the average consumer is likely going to be less variety, possibly even a hold on custom builds, and at the very least, less economy-based new vehicles and more higher-end trims to capitalize on the profit margin of what is being sold. Now, of course, this coin has two sides. And the other side of this whole story is the used car market. Have you checked the worth of what that Jeep in the driveway is? Uh, you know, are on the side of your house lately? I can tell you that my own 22-year-old Jeep has actually risen in value considerably over the last year. And I bet yours has, too. But I look at this more of a balloon that's going to pop soon oh, yeah. and less of a sudden boom in, Jeep, in used Jeep value. And those artificially inflated used car market prices will come tumbling down and with a glut of new vehicles on the market all of a sudden in, I don't know, say 2023, the market value of what once was will be no more. And we will likely see an automotive market crash as sales figures versus inventory numbers will see a ratio like never before. Time will, of course, tell and we will, of course, keep you up to date. What do you want to bet there's another uh, cash for clunkers? Because the government's going to see an opportunity to get all the old vehicles uh, trashed again. I, you yeah. know, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm 23 I've is what I'm saying. we talk about that in the past. I thought we were going to see one in, uh, was it 2019 or 2018? Um, there was some speculation about it uh, happening um, you know, in, in the last couple few years, but, uh, but nothing ever really come of it. Uh, I, I don't know if that was really a very successful program or not um and, and so i think a lot of extras yeah right there, there's a there's a bit of a mixed review on on all of that so whether or not it happens again eh, i think that's up in the air well we'll see i hope it doesn't because it was sad right. seeing some of those xjs they uh -oh. were taking those engines and running them at you know six thousand rpm with no oil no uh no coolant for uh, uh 10 minutes and they didn't want to die <laughs> <laughs> I can make it. I can make it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Don't kill me. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Any number of ways to contact the show. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we've got something for everybody at the 4x4radionetwork.com website. We have the On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast. There's a ton of great off-road shows there. It's all for free. It's all in one spot. All you got to do is go to 4x4radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. The Jeep Talk Show is there, too. We'll see you there. How's it going, Jeep Talk Show? This is Gary from Dixie Overland calling in to congratulate you on the amazing milestone of hitting your 500th episode. Ten years, wow. I'm sure you've thought about how far the show has come in that decade and how far the Jeep has come in that time frame, too. Starting from just three years from the production of the JK to where now Jeep has electric hybrids, pickup trucks again, V8s again, possibility to drive underwater. I'm sure that one day I'll be wheeling at the lake at Hidden Valley Ranch behind the wheel of my red October edition Gladiator 
while streaming the Jeep Talk Show. Congrats, everyone, again, to a 500th episode, and may there be 500 more episodes to come. All right, y'all have a good day. I wonder if driving uh, underwater makes you want to go pee uh, more. Is uh, you know, <laughs> speaking of streams, one one ping, one ping only, please. <laughs> one ping. Yeah. I mean, seriously, Gary, it has to be red. Could you pick any other color? I mean, that's what no, I no, no, that. no. That was he was talking about wheeling underwater. Red October. Yeah. Oh, Red, Red October. October. Oh, I missed that. There we go. Love that there we show. Go. Okay, got it. No, I'm man, sorry, Gary. No, no. I'm a mistake. Top 10 for sure. Top Red October. Movies. That's the one where the kid made the model rocket and launched it up in the... No. That's no, no. No. You know what I'm talking no. about. <laughs> People are screaming, no, damn it. That's Yelling, not shaking what their it is. <laughs> sorry. You know what? I just heard the word red and completely lost it. So I just put my brain uh, yeah. stopped. Yeah. Red. You started rolling your eyes and stopped listening. Yeah, I did. <laughs> what? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Newbie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, back on episode 428, I, remen- I mentioned tips and suggestions on picking your line. Now, I know we have new drivers who've joined the podcast since then, and this is an important topic, and it helps you have a better jeeping experience on the trail. Now, picking your line can be summed up as, how will you get through the obstacle and which line or way is best for you, your ability, and your Jeep setup? Now, when we work with new drivers, I get them out of their Jeep and let them see the line by showing them options for that particular obstacle. I also have them look at it from the Jeep's perspective and also look back through the obstacle back at the Jeep to see just where those tires are going to contact. Walking past the obstacle or taking a look back at the line from another angle really helps to see where the tire placement could or should go, both front and rear. Now, another fun tip is to look at the rocks and see where there's shiny material left behind from other Jeepers. This means someone else didn't pick a a good line and got stuck or scraped their tie rod, control arm, or differential. And if they have a factory differential cover and back off that rock, it's possibly to peel it back just enough to create a slow leak of gear oil. Now, sometimes you see actual body parts from Jeeps. Those are usually Toyotas, by the way. I was going to uh, say. If, <laughs> yeah, I should say body parts from Toyotas. Uh, if you do, you may be facing a really tough obstacle. Laugh out loud. Okay, you almost always want to place your tires on the shiny parts of the rocks where others have scraped because it gives you greater ground clearance so that you're not the one leaving part of your Jeep behind. Now, a few things to keep in mind. Rear tires do not track the same as the fronts when making turns. This is something to consider when you're lining yourself up to an obstacle. It's important to line up to the obstacle as straight as possible. Now, you may need to roll your front tires a little farther than they need to to ensure your rear tires track where you want them to go. This is one of the biggest mistakes we see from inexperienced drivers and spotters. They focus solely on the front and forget about the rear tires. And what is your Jeep wheelbase? Are you a two-door, four-door, or in a JT which adds some extra length? This does make a difference on how your Jeep will track over the obstacle. And finally, what is the width of your axles and tires? Are you stock width or did you put wheel spacers in to keep your tires from rubbing the frame when you make sharp turns? Did you put Dana 60s underneath? Know the outside parameters of your tires and Jeep. Most are standard, but there will be some exceptions. Understanding the width is very helpful when it comes to tire placement. It's also good to know when you drive through a narrow road with bushes on both sides and you're trying to thread that needle. Can you get through without touching either side? Well, we typically see more scratches on the passenger side because the driver was focused only on the driver's side. 
Now, knowing your spatial boundaries will help keep the pinstriping off your doors and also help navigate obstacles. Knowing how your Jeep tires track is very important. We have a great video on Trails 411 showing exactly what we're talking about if you want to see it visually. When you turn your front tires, the rear will track differently. They will not go in the same line as the fronts. They will track inside the path of the front wheels. It's just simple geometry. The length of your Jeep will make a difference on how the rears track. With a short wheelbase, the rears will track closer toward the front. With longer wheelbases, the rear tires will track farther inside the path. And on a four-door JK or JL, if you turn full lock on the steering wheel, the rear tire will track a full half-inch width of the Jeep to the inside. I guess that's full half-width, not an inch. That would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Yeah. A JT will track farther inside still. Oh, now, how does this matter in picking a line? Well, if you place your front tires on a rock, as an example, and think, I'm clear, I can turn the, the front wheels now, you will more than likely slip off the rock with the rear tires. Even the slightest adjustment can change the tracking of the rear tires. You need to continue forward until the rear tires are over the rock or obstacle, or as close as possible. Now, the same applies when setting up for the line you pick. Getting through an obstacle takes some patience and understanding. It's all a process of learning. Getting out of your Jeep and watching others go through an obstacle can be a great learning tool. Watch how the rear tires track on the line they picked. It's amazing how a small change in the fronts really affects the rears. I've learned so much by just watching others pick lines. First thing I do when I approach an obstacle I see is where I, I want to know where my front tires are going to go and be aware of where the rears are going to go. For example, if I turn sharply to get to that obstacle, I may need or want to back up once or twice to line up my rear tires so that I'm in a better position to track correctly. If you're not lined up straight to that obstacle, you may have a difficult time tracking through the obstacle. You're probably still going to get through. It just may not go as smooth as you had anticipated, but that's how you learn. Sometimes obstacles may have an easy way or a more difficult way to get through. For example, the left side of an obstacle might be easier way, while the right side might be an oh hell no way. Most of us with experience want the challenge of the harder route, but being new or unsure of your ability, you may want to take the easier route. There is no shame in picking the route you want, good or bad. You're learning about your Jeep and how it tracks and what it's capable of, so just try it. Another thing to keep in mind is to make little or small increments in your movements. Don't get up on a rock and then decide to turn full lock and wonder why you <laughs> slipped off. Little oh, or small increments, it's so true, little or small increments in the steering will help you stay on track. Now, using a spotter to help you through is another great way to learn and figure out what your Jeep does. And in episode 433, I do discuss how to use a spotter. If you commit to a spotter, you must stay with them through it all. <laughs> Don't use them and, <laughs> and once the front tires are clear, decide, I've got this, and then your rear tires slip off. The spotter's job is to be your eyes and help you through. Now, we've had that guy needing help lining up, and once I got his front tires up, he would stick his head out the window, look down at his front tires as he drove and slipped off with his rears every time. He never considered what his rear tires were doing. He stopped watching the spotter, got himself stuck, banged up his underside every single time. If you choose to use a spotter, use them. So picking a line is part of the challenge of jeeping. You want to see if the line you picked allowed you to get over the obstacle or hindered you, or maybe you just wanted to see if you could do the harder line. Only way to figure this out is to try it. The best teacher is experience. So guys, any other suggestions you'd add for picking the line? It's such a deep topic. You could go on for... Lots of time. Redline it. Yeah. Redline the I engine. 
<laughs> I just Tony jumped Hall's the rock. <laughs> Bounce right over it. Who cares? On a line. You don't need, I don't need a stinking line. This, Let's is, just go. this is what the Toyota people that lost those parts said. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm like taking notes while you're doing your segments. This is what I'm, you know, doing while oh, other people are, are doing the show too. No, it, it's, it's just like uh, things that I was like, oh yes, that's a point that I want to touch on. But first, yes. I want to say good job on referencing the older episodes, uh, content that is in yeah. past episodes. Yeah. We have yeah. new listeners to the show all the time. Good and stuff. when we reference something and can expand on that by by referencing an old episode, I think that is just invaluable information for, for new listeners. And even listeners have been around for 20 or 30 episodes that you know may not have uh, uh, go back that far. Um, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, geez, yeah, I need to go back and listen to some of those older ones and, and you know see what she was talking about. Um, but, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, the front tires, um, and, and turning and, and, and how to line things up and whatnot, you know, a locker can play a big role in this, in the negative. Uh, if you've got a, if you've got a locked up front end, your turning radius is likely going to be severely <laughs> diminished and, yes, and it will. you know, what you could make it through those trees in two wheel drive in four wheel drive. Suddenly you might be having to, you know, do a three point turn to get through that corner that you otherwise can navigate just, just freely. Um, and Very so that true. does come into play a little bit. If you're not familiar with how the front end reacts when you are locked up, if you have a locker in the front end, uh, you know, definitely want to get out onto the trail, get some seat time and and learn, you know, okay, I know that, you know, it's not going to go this way. It's going to go this way. And and you'll familiarize yourself with that as as you get a little bit more seat time with that. Um, another well, thing and, I want to talk about. Wait, let me just tell you, Josh, that's episode 476 yeah. if you want to hear about lockers. Okay, yeah, there, there we go. go. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> Uh, like you that. mentioned something about spatial boundaries. Now, I, I worked yes. in the automotive electrical field for for you know over a decade, and when you're trying to fit eight cars into a six car shop, it is possible if you know what you're doing, <laughs> and and it's just knowing where your corners are, knowing where your four corner corners of the vehicle are, mm-hmm. and having that 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 sort of spatial awareness of of where the vehicle is in relation to what is around you. Now, if if you're new or you maybe you just lifted your Jeep, maybe you haven't had it that long, maybe you're not really all that comfortable with where the corners are. You know, you're always the one that parks in the back of the parking lot, you know, you know, because you're kind of worried about, you know, getting into those tight parking spaces or something like that. There's there's several drills, I'm going to say, that you can practice in your driveway, in a parking lot, in a dirt lot, you know, back behind uh, some store or something like that. Um, and just using something like as simple as uh, an orange cone with a PVC pipe sticking out of it, uh, you know, something you can get for, you know, 20 bucks, maybe find it even on the side of the road or something like that. And, and learn, you know, just by driving your tire as close as you can to that cone without seeing that PVC pipe move. And you'll be able to really see, okay, man, I can get a lot closer to that than I thought. Having a spotter um, and driving up to or backing up to the, your garage door or something like that. And where you'd think, yo, man, I'm, gonna, I'm almost there. And your mm-hmm. spotter's going to tell you, no, you got another foot and a half to go. Oh, wow. I didn't realize I had that much room. Okay. You know, and that sort of thing. So these kinds of exercises can really help with the spatial awareness of your vehicle and knowing where things are at. Uh, Things like a cinder block, avoiding the cinder block with your front tire, but placing your rear tire on it in the middle of a turn. Knowing Mm -hmm. how to do that can really, really help with you picking your line and knowing where the rear end is and where it's going to be in relation to the front end in through a corner, in through a turn, or as you navigate an obstacle. So, I mean, something as simple as, as a cinder block laying in your in your yard and, and just moving your Jeep around a little bit can really make a big difference when it comes to the next obstacle you go off-road. So well, and the a- other thing on that spatial too, sorry, Tony, the other thing on that is when we're working with somebody new and we've got trails that have narrowness, you know, where the bushes are on both sides, mm-hmm. or they're making a turn with the bushes and trying not to get scratched, 
I want, I teach them to use their side mirrors. I cannot tell you people don't even think to look. And by looking in the side mirror and you're looking down to see, was I close? Was I not close? So this is a perfect example that you're talking about. Even at home, you can do those exercises you just talked about, but then look mm -hmm. in your mirror and see how close were you? How far were you? Did you have enough space to do that? And that teaches you that spatial stuff as well. So I have a quick you know, safety tip. If, uh, if, oh, you're, if, you're, if you're driving an XJ for our 23 years and then you switch to a vehicle that has <laughs> fender flares, <laughs> <laughs> that is much wider than just the hood <laughs> that you're Not used to. Your own spatial, <laughs> your spatial you, awareness, you, Tony. You have to. Yeah, I haven't ripped off a, a, a fender flare. I, I get really close to things when I drive because I'm very aware oh, yeah. of the the size of the vehicle uh -huh. and where I can what I can put it through. And I have uh -huh. to remind myself that I've got an extra five six inches worth of uh, of jeep hanging out there off of both sides so seriously yep. you gotta you have to think about these things because just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there even though the well, vehicle that i drove before i you know it, i mean it may have been an inch further out uh, or, or a little bit more than that uh, on the xj but that doesn't really mean much as long as you're giving it uh, a foot worth of clearance well and here's another example riding driving Don Alexander's Jeep that he set up, you know, the Sahara that he built, mm -hmm. Dana 60s, 40-inch tires. Let me tell you how that spatial space is different oh, completely right. from driving my, I mean, so you're right. You have to just experience that. And and you can't you know see it. You can't see no. it. So like what no. Josh was talking about, the, the cone and the PVC pipe, it reminds me of a hard weekend. Uh, but a, th that's a good a idea. Great suggestion. I yeah. love it. That's a great idea, Josh. Well, you know, we you've got people out there. You know, you're five foot nothing, and you're driving a Jeep on thirty eights. You know, you're gonna have a hard time seeing over that corner, seeing back yeah. behind you, and stuff like that. So it, it's stuff like this that can that can really help with just knowing your vehicle. Uh, having a buddy out in a parking lot, you know, uh, it's a cone and you know a couple cones and you know in a, in a good time for an afternoon. You know, you hey, you you try it. You'll see how close you can get the first try. You know, that's that sort of thing. And you're not going to hurt nothing with a, you know, orange cone and a PVC pipe or a cinder block no. laying on the ground. Uh, it, you know, it's really. Now, one other thing you wanted, uh, you, you touched on was was sort of um, vehicle placement on the trail and, and you know, how mm -hmm. you may have to back up a couple of times or shift the vehicle to kind of get that line back. And, and one thing that, I, that I've, uh, I've used uh, some, somewhat of a trick is to take it out of four-wheel drive. Drop it back into two-wheel drive and stomp on the pedal. Get some rear wheel spin, and you can actually shift the vehicle, at keeping the front end pretty much placed where it is, and move that yeah. ass end over one side or another, depending on how idea. the you know how the you know where you are, what the vehicle attitude is, where gravity is going to you know. There's a lot of physics involved in this, and so you know mm -hmm. you, you got to have an ounce of common sense and and just understand how gravity is going to work and and that sort of stuff. And know that, okay, if I get some wheel spin going, I'm going to lose traction. Where's gravity and inertia going to take the back end of the Jeep? And and that can oftentimes work very well in your favor. Drop it back into four low and up you go over the obstacle. So just, just a little, another little trick, trick for you. Love it. Well, do you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets? I'd love to hear from you. Check out our YouTube channel at Trails411 for great content with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. Now, Tony, uh, for this next segment, I am working on a, an intro for you. I actually have a rough draft um, all set and ready to go, but uh, it needs a little bit of massaging. I'm not quite done with it yet, but, uh, but you do have something that is in the works coming up uh, here probably in the next couple few episodes uh, that you will have for this next segment. Oh, good. The suspense. I like it. So uh, until that time, <laughs> I'm going to use this one. Yes, that brings that us works. to another... <laughs> 
<laughs> a cheap talk show gladiator update. <laughs> so last week I uh, I was talking about the Motobuilt uh, Crusher stubby bumper that I had uh, purchased and, and received in like three days from Northridge 4x4, uh, which was nice. great. Uh, quick, uh, free Did shipping. Did they reach out to me, by the way, and say, yes, we are listening? I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah, that would be nice. I, uh, I called them up and they said, uh, uh, please don't call here again. So, no, no, I, uh, it's just the opposite. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, installed that bumper uh, last weekend, and my God, I'm glad I broke it up into segments. Uh, what I had planned on doing was installing the bumper uh, on Saturday, pulling the uh, worn Xenon 10 off of uh, the XJ and putting it on uh, the Gladiator, since the Gladiator is going to be taken off-road here uh, a lot sooner than what the XJ will be. And uh, the putting the bumper on, so easy. I mean, once you get past the 37,000 push pins, little plastic push pins holding the factory bumper on, and, and actually three uh, metal bolts, uh, it was uh, very easy to take off. Uh, a bit to be more a, a bit sad. It was a bit sad. Yeah. No, it was like they got four main bolts holding it onto that the frame. That sounds too easy. And that sounds like the, anybody could do it. And yeah, absolutely. And there was uh, there was probably seven push pins on the top, uh, four or five push pins on the bottom. And uh, there's a there's a somebody trick to out that. there is looking. Somebody out there is looking for some push pins in a in a stock bumper. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so hard selling the the stock stuff because it seems like the there's there's so many of them out there. But oh any, my gosh, there's so much for sale right now. Yeah. People are picking it up. It doesn't even last a day. People are buying stuff. Well, I, I might you give it a try. Just list it. Yeah, I might give it a try. So anyway, I uh, got the the bumper off uh, the the old bumper off uh, on, and when I say old, the the one that has two thousand miles uh, of use on it. And I uh, got the, the Motobuilt uh, bumper on, and my God, I was like, this is going to be so easy to install this massive winch. And then Sunday came, and I was like, I was out there for like six or seven hours. And it, was, it was mainly trying to get my stinking hands in the little bitty Nat's ass wide gap between the winch <laughs> and where the, the nut needed to go on the bolt. Sorry, and, I'm not laughing oh at you. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well, you know, you've heard the cursing coming from uh, outside whenever Bill's I doing have. it. I have. Yeah, so, yes, I have. So, I spent a lot of time getting all those uh, bolts and nuts and stuff in. But but the bumper itself is really easy. If you don't, if you just don't put a, uh, a massive winch in, in the, the tray, <laughs> you're fine. But I tell you what, uh, I was very impressed with the build of the Motobuilt uh, bumper, the uh, Crusher Series uh, stubby bumper. Uh, the welds look wonderful. The outside is designed very nice. Uh, lots of good welds. And uh, I uh, actually picked up some uh, some red shackles, uh, D-rings, yeah, did. To, to go on of there. Of course you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, got got those on there. Very happy with it. Uh, right. It's uh, it's all nice well, and installed. Talk about the painting process, because you got your bumper bare metal, yep, if I'm not metal. mistaken. Is that right? Do you know? And so you, you went... I had some issues with that. Really? I don't know why. I've never had this problem before. I used a uh, brake cleaner to clean the entire surface of the uh, of the bumper. Huh? Was it chlorinated? Uh, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff I've used for other bumpers. So, hmm. uh, but anyway, in in some areas, the not only did the uh, the black paint come off, the primer came off. The primer didn't oh. even stick. 
it just flaked off from 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 using it. So I'm gonna have to go back and touch it up. I mean, it's just it's just edge things, so it's not real bad. But we'll see how it <laughs> we'll see how it performs after a car wash. Uh, you know, with the hit, hit it with the spray. But uh, I can always uh, tape and, and, and repaint. The main thing was I just wanted to get it on there. And we don't have that much of a rust issue down here anyway. So uh, I'm not overly concerned about it. But I was very disappointed that the paint didn't hold up as it has on the other bumpers that I've, uh, I've painted and, and installed. Uh, and I don't think it has anything to do with the, the metal or anything that the, from the Motobilt bumper. It's just something in the prep that I missed. I probably should have just sanded the whole thing down. Uh, something which, in the, which I didn't from the do. operator? It's the operator error? It's got to be. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I a mean, little scotch bright goes a long way, you know, roughing yep. up the metal and giving the paint a little something. I mean, even the uh, even if you're using self-etching primer, um, which, you know, helps uh, a little bit. But you still want to give the surface something to gr- give the uh, the surface a little treatment for the paint to gra- have something to grab onto. And even something like just, you know, a Brillo pad, uh, you know, um, scotch bright, you know, something like that. Just to rough things up a little bit, uh, give it some texture will will go a long way. Sure. And that's the only thing I can think of. I was in a bit of a hurry. Uh, I was trying to, uh, you know, working from home, and I didn't want to spend a lot of time. I was trying to do all the uh, the painting, get it all done on Friday, so I could just uh, focus on installing the bumper on uh, Saturday. So it was really between breaks that I was going out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if I had sanded the whole bumper down, it probably would have uh, worked out a little bit better. But the bumper wasn't smooth. It was it was kind of rough just from the metal uh, being rough. There was a, a bit of a... Uh, an oil or something on it that the uh, yeah the, the, the anti rust you know, yeah they got to put that on there to, to protect it for shipping if nothing else mm-hmm. uh, and I think they even do that whenever they're uh, sending it to whoever's purchased the metal in the raw form it's got it's covered oh, yeah. in stuff anyway so oh. but anyway very nice bumper uh, it looks very nice the design on it is uh, is fancy uh, it's not a, a plain rectangular. A railroad tie bumper, no, it which there's looks nothing good. wrong it, with that, but it's just complements the front end of the Jeep. Yeah, it very much. It so. does. Yeah, it looks really good. Yep, really enjoy it, and uh, of course, it's uh, it's for the JL, uh, the Jeep JL, or the Jeep JT. And uh, my God, the only thing that this looks like crap is those skinny little tires that you can now clearly see because there's no yeah. bumper in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> So now a couple of questions, uh, Tony. Uh, is the winch completely all hooked up? Absolutely. I was I was curious. Uh, I was concerned really uh, as to whether or not the battery placement in the XJ and the battery leads that you had coming off of the winch uh, would work as far as the battery placement in the JT and whether or not you had enough cable length to hook everything all up. This, plenty, you know, this plenty of cable. Uh, Very. Yeah, the Super Winch and the Warren both uh, both have lots of cable. And uh, again, thanks to Northridge uh, 4x4 on their YouTube video, uh, they actually showed whenever they were installing this bumper on their uh, JT uh, Gladiator, they actually showed uh, a Xenon winch. I think it was actually a VR winch, uh, Warren winch they were installing. And they even showed you exactly where on the battery to place it. And do you know that wow. the JT, and I, I would assume the JL as well, has studs uh, on on both mm-hmm. posts that are there that you don't have to use. You don't have to try to put it on, put the 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 uh, the cables from the winch on somewhere, you know, like on the side of the uh, connector or anything like that. There's two studs right there that they just go right on. Take the nuts off, put them on there, nut down, you're done. So it was a very easy install, and it still took me seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> Well, live and learn, live and learn. Oh, no. I couldn't have done any faster. I just need smaller hands. 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast and a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. Josh, Wendy, I'm sure that you guys have noticed this because we get a lot of emails from our listeners, and, and it seems like uh, listener after listener says, uh, sorry, still a rat bastard, or I'm a rat bastard, but I'm going to be changing that really soon. And and we really appreciate that, uh, but, you know, you can listen for free. It, it's okay. Like, we can still call you names. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> But it's great that you guys worry about that. Don't worry about it. Worry about not listening. We love it uh, that we have people to talk to. We love it when we have people talking back to us. Now, I do want to mention something that I haven't mentioned this in quite a while. Uh, when We use PayPal to take in our payments. And one of the things that PayPal does whenever you set up a payment, it's set up as a reoccurring payment. So if you have a uh, like an annual subscription like uh, what we have available... It will automatically re- renew year after year after year. Oh dear! <laughs> and I've I never—I thought, thought you had it set up to only renew once or something like. Well, that's yeah, what I was going to say. Like I, I've never cared about cared for that because it's just like you know, once we got you in, you know, you can't get away, you can't get out unless the you Hotel unless California. You, yeah, unless you specifically cancel the cancel the payment. So what I've done is I've set it up with one reoccurring payment so now i've, I've noticed that uh whenever uh, a few people have canceled their payments right after a payment and uh, i just want to apologize if if you guys didn't want that second payment to happen contact us just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and let us know that you want a refund because it's not our intention to try to get money from you guys uh that you don't want to spend with us from the mind of Nikki g Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just caught episode 499. I got to say, Wendy, I'm very disappointed. Uh, You said that when you leave the city, leave everything behind you. Uh, I I know you're a country girl, but I got to say, come on, Wendy, you should know better. If you packed it in the city, pack it out of the city. Please don't trash our beautiful cities, except for your poop. Uh, We will gladly dispose of your poop for you. Uh, we just ask that you please place it in a brown paper bag and just leave it on any citizen's porch. And, uh, you know, you could light the bag on fire to alert them that, that it's there for, for disposal. Absolutely. That's totally ac- acceptable. And moving on, Tony, you talked about placing a magnet on your roof to collect meteor dust. That's right. That's right. Here it comes. I got to tell you, that's a bad idea. Placing a magnet on your roof is the intergalactic symbol that you are available for probing. It's a common mistake. Any amateur can make it. Like wearing your pants low, right? Well, thanks for showing up. Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you guys that I just quit my job working in the helium factory. What? Yeah, nobody speaks to me in that tone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later, and you have a good one. Bye.
Okay, Josh, I specifically put an article, I think it was a YouTube video, about how to uh, find meteor dust on the roof <laughs> in, in the Hangouts chat that we use. Did you see that? I'm, I might no, have missed I, that You one. didn't I see that. that. I missed that. I didn't reading. see that. Yeah, I put it in the yeah. chat. So it, it's true. It, this is something that I learned when I was just a kid about how to do this stuff, and I remembered it. And uh, sure enough, there's there's YouTube videos that tell you how to find meteor dust, little micro meteorites that are falling at all all the time. They're falling. You're going to have to find that and repost that for us because oh, I want to sure. find. Oh sure, yeah. I actually, it's in last week's episode. So if you go to the oh, show it's notes, in the actual show notes. If you go oh, to the okay, show notes, and you guys need to know this, if you were wondering about that and you never visit JeepTalkShow.com, here's a good reason for you to go over there and you can watch that video about how. And of course, the guy was using a spectrum analyzer to determine if they were extra meteorites or not, which may be beyond your means. Well, I was going to say, I don't <laughs> think everybody has one of those. <laughs> but but watch the video. It's true. We're being uh, pelted by uh, micrometeorites all the time. Hello. Do you want to play a game? Oh! I want to play a game. Jeez, oh, why so serious? It's time to play Jeep Trivia. It's a new, uh, new segment for the show here, and uh, we're going to kind of have a little bit of a trivia <laughs> game here. And so how this is going to work is uh, we're going to ask a question, and uh, we're not going to tell you the answer. We're going to give you an entire episode to <laughs> That's think about it. That's a big it. tease. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to find the answer in the very next episode of the Jeep Talk Show. So uh, on this episode, we're going to ask a question. On the very next episode, you're going to get the answer. Uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, here we go with this one. The, this is going to be real easy. We're going to kind of start these off uh, kind of easy and, uh, and softball them in, if you will, and um, and kind of get everybody used to the new segment. And, is this uh, like strip poker? On. Will we be receiving items of clothing <laughs> through the mail? God, I hope not. <laughs> that <laughs> is a different clothes. show, Tony. Seriously. <laughs> right. I was like, what podcast you've been listening to? Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, the, the question is, what was the last year of the CJ? What was the last year that they made the CJ? No Googling, right? No. Well, you it's, have to guess it. Do whatever you got to do. You got an okay, entire episode okay. to, uh, to figure it out, and, uh, and you'll find the answer out in the very next episode. Well, Johnny, tell them what they're going to win. <laughs> You're going to win another episode of the Jeep Talk Show. <laughs> you thought the game was over. But it's only just begun. What you talking about, Tune in to the next Jeep Talk Show for the answer to this question. In episode 46, we interview Eric Zappi, the author of High Performance Jeep XJ Builder's Guide. Hartech, who's the publisher of the book, they were looking to getting into doing a book on the Jeep Cherokee. They wanted to get into the off-road stuff because they really hadn't done it before. The publisher was actually unprepared for the, the response that they got and caught them off guard. That's how successful it was right out the gate. Where do you keep your books? Hey, I, I read in the bathroom myself. Well, I mean, what else are you going to do? You, somebody will come check on you if you start humming a tune. You won't know what you're missing unless you go listen. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. 
You know, when you're off-roading, it is inevitable that you will eventually need to recover a vehicle, and it is essential to have the safest, most effective equipment available to aid in that rescue. You never know when you might be rescuing your own rig. Factor 55 Flatlink E allows for closed system winching, which is simply winching using closed link hardware, where you aren't relying on open hooks or spring-loaded safety clasps that can fail. Factor 55's unique design allows for interfacing with different cables and ropes to recover virtually any stuck or stranded vehicle. If you'd like to learn more about Factor 55, what they do, who they are, and just how important it is to consider switching over to a closed-loop recovery gear system, be sure to check out our interview with Factor 55 in episode 384 of the Jeep Talk Show. Oh, man, I was just getting ready to scramble to try to figure out what episode that was. I learned <laughs> no, so much about the closed uh, winching system when uh, yeah. we spoke with uh, uh, the uh, Factor 55 people uh, back on that episode, and I was very impressed. In fact, uh, they sent us each one of these. When I say us, yeah. I mean not you, Wendy. It was uh, it was Tammy that got one. Uh, yeah. I got and, one. Yep, and very. It's a wonderful uh, system. Now, uh, I actually whenever I got the Warren winch, I actually went with the Warren Sidewinder winch, which was it's similar. It's a similar design. Uh, but the cool thing about this is, I think one of the, I, I forget which, which is the one that has the little, it's round and it kind of sticks out uh, it, well, they, from, from Factor 55. Well, they've got a of, bunch of, uh, of gear that goes, uh, it kind of works all together in the, right. this closed loop system. So, I mean, they've, they've got, they've got this flat linky, they've got, you know, three or four other pieces that all kind of work together on your winch or, or your winch system uh, to, depending on how you're hooking up or how you're hooking up to another rig or whether it be to a toe strap, a tree, you know, whatever it is, um, they've got a, a sort of a different interlink or a system to to work with work with that. Does um, a, a ProLink sound right? This and it could be a ProLink or the Pro End or something. It's the round one with just yeah. sort of a yeah. single flange. I like this one it. a lot better because you can actually, yeah, me too. If, if you're gonna, if you need to put a, a license plate on the front of your your Jeep. Uh, you can actually uh, fold this thing down, and you still have some room to get that that clip on there with the, the ProLink. Uh, I think it's the ProLink. It kind of sticks out, and it kind of keeps you from doing that sort of thing. Yeah, so, got a little bit of a nose. Yeah, out there. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a cool. I've, I've, both of them are cool systems. No, absolutely. Uh, and and they they work together. They work independently. Uh, they work with a D ring. Uh, whatever you know, whatever you got, whatever Soft you're using, uh, it'll work well with thought it. out. So, yeah. yeah, well thought 100%. out. Great, great I've used them myself. Very nasty yep. sideways self recovery, and and this thing was instrumental in making that happen with with uh, snatch blocks and tree straps and and all sorts of other equipment to get me out of a very stuck situation and, and deep in the rocks. Uh, and so I can speak uh, speak with it by experience that these things are very well engineered, uh, very well built, and they look good too. Oh, they look great. Yeah, we 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 actually have one as well in the front of our Jeep, but. The picture you posted for the people that are looking at this, um, the notes, it's red, which I assume was for Tony. Ours is blue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mine, mine is red um, simply because uh, that's about the only other accent color I have on the Jeep. I've, I've got kind of got a, a black and silver theme going on mine with just a couple of nice. red accents. So, um, yeah, this sort Makes of sense. helps stand out as well. Uh, sort of putting that you know bright red point on the on the front of the Jeep. So hey, you know, mm -hmm. look here. This is where the recovery point is. And you know this that yeah. is a cool point that you made because the uh, the worn Sidewinder doesn't come in red. So if color is important to you, <laughs> go with the Factor Fifty Five. There you go. <laughs> now they do have other colors too. Yeah, red, blue. I think yeah. they got oh, a silver, or maybe even a yellow, a or orange. I mean, yeah, they got yeah. a bunch of colors. So if you've got a color theme going on your Jeep, well, Factor Fifty Five has uh, closed loop recovery gear. 
uh, that will work with whatever sort of theme you have going on in your Jeep. There's nothing wrong with your capable Jeep looking good. Nope. No, absolutely. <laughs> right? You know, it ties everything all together. Yep. Well, and now that you must have one of the best closed-loop winching essentials for your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 500. Hey, Josh, Tony, Wendy, and Tammy. This is Greg from Tulsa. It's about 12 o'clock noon on Thursday, the 29th of July. And um, I want to let you know that I'm excited about the 500th episode. And so I'm already logged on to the Zoom room so I can be first in line for the big show. See you tonight. <laughs> nice. Outstanding. Thanks, Greg, and great voice. Love this. Love our listeners. Look at that red flat link that you get on that uh, that XJ over there, Josh. That looks nice. Listening in the firelight. Yeah, it looks good over there. Well, folks, this is the uh, a favorite part of, of a lot of us. Uh, Absolutely. Both of us here, uh, are the host, the co-host, and as well as you, the listeners. And this is the part of the show where you, the listener, actually gets to be a part of the show. And uh, as we record the show live, we invite uh, the listeners to come around the campfire, pull up a chair, and, uh, and share their opinion on whatever the topic that we're going to be discussing is. And we pick a new topic each and every week. Uh, sometimes it's a debate kind of topic. Uh, sometimes it's just a personal anecdote type of thing, uh, kind of like tonight. And uh, tonight, I asked the question, everybody has a first. So what was the first thing that you had to fix on your Jeep since you've owned it? Now, everybody's, you know, you come around. Now, I know we got some uh, people that have some JTs or, you know, uh, some JLs, you know, stuff like that. Probably it hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity um, for, uh, for a breakdown, stuff like that, or carnage or in, in, anything to fix. So if you do have a brand spanking new Jeep that only has 2,000 miles on it, well, chances are you're not going to be able to answer this question or have anything to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to share. Complain, so we're going to go yeah. get right into what we're complaining about. Uh, we're going to get right into this, going through the list. We've got a big group of people here with us tonight. Uh, so we're going to kind of pick and choose uh, here tonight. Uh, first off, I'm going to go with Isaac95YJ. Uh, Isaac, what was the first thing that you had to fix on your Jeep since you owned it? Not counting just replacing the front bumper, although I guess that was technically a boom. That was technically a fix. <laughs> this is a drive-by uh, shooting. Something else now. <laughs> to fix something else now too. <laughs> Chicago. Something fell off the table. <laughs> um, Darn cats. I, I did Darn bend it. the front bumper, so I replaced that. But the first real repair that I had was the the front wheel bearings. Oh yeah. Those went out on me, and so I had to go pull the bearings off, replace the U joint. Um, and then I had to replace, did I have to? No, I just had to pull the axle out right. on the driver's side so that I could push the U-joint out of it. But all in all, it wasn't too hard. I managed to do it in the day. I got the, I went to O'Reilly, one of our local auto parts. And mm -hmm. they had the rental tool program, and so I was able to rent. Oh, the, there you yep, go. Yep, there you go. That's how it's done. Half inch and an eighth, whatever it was, socket that I could take the the bearing out and got it out, push the the U joint out, put the new one in, got it put back together in a day. Do you happen to remember the uh, the brand of the U joint you went with? Did you go with like a Spicer? Did you go with uh, just whatever hap they happen to have it behind the counter? I don't remember that. I know I went with the Timken bearing. Yeah, good, good choice. Go. But I, I don't remember the U-joint. That's all good. 
Yeah, those are one of those things that every so often uh, that is a wearable part. Uh, I think I uh, my Jeep was around 200,000 miles uh, when I had to replace. No, no, I take that back. It was around 150,000 miles that I had to replace the first axle U-joint. Uh, our first, uh, uh, yeah, front axle U-joint. And uh, since then, I have I've had to replace them several times, but uh, uh, through uh, through no fault of my own. I'm that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, we got we got Weeha tonight. Uh, Weeha, what was the first thing you had to fix on your Jeep since you owned it? And uh, and tell us real quick, what is uh, what is your Jeep? All right, well, I own several. I've got a my first Jeep was a 2000 XJ. I bought it off the showroom floor. I have that in common with uh, Tony. And yeah. uh, I've owned it ever since. And the first thing that broke on that was actually in between New York and North Carolina and Delaware somewhere. We got stopped at a rest stop. And next thing you know, it won't start and had to be towed to a garage where, unfortunately, I couldn't make the repair myself. But we, we diagnosed and diagnosed till we figured out that the, what is it? It's not actually a distributor, but it's the... The, oh, the, the coil pack? The, no, it's the positioning sensor. Oh, crank, crank, crank position. Crankshaft yeah. crank positioning sensor mechanism yep. had sheared off on the bottom side. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it was only probably about 80,000 miles at that point. So. Wow. That's that was, strange. That, that was our first Jeep that repair. Is that, that is a component that is very rare to fail. Yeah. Uh, especially like that. Uh, so, wow, yeah, something must have gotten in there and, and uh, created some drag or something, uh, some kind of debris and picked something up. I don't know. I've, that's, that is a very unique situation uh, to have it that particular the, sensor go out. First thing to fail on that Jeep, and after that, it was AC and, and the head. And the did, head went after that. Did you have any problems with uh, metal shavings in the, uh, the oil? I would assume they had to really clean that thing out. Uh, when Not they really. We dropped the oil, put fresh oil in it, and we drove it straight home uh from from there and uh i never had another issue out of it till we um till we dropped the uh ac on it probably four years later yeah not bad not bad they're, they're very uh reliable uh and like like josh is saying very unusual issue and yeah. while i'm at it i would just want to say congratulations to you guys for 500 episodes i've, I've listened to episode number one and i did make it through <laughs> oh, i'm and, sorry uh, i'm sorry <laughs> that should be a that should be a badge for the escape uh stuff and you guys fulfilled that i appreciate that uh and i'm just happy to be here and be a part of your 500 this, well, this is well, thank awesome you. thank you uh, i will thank you i will so mention much. this before the show i was talking to the zoom room people and i chastised them for not calling in because we had two people call in and congratulate us for the 500 so i think that oh. uh <laughs> i think we hire is uh is feeling guilty but thank I think you i really <laughs> did want to do that i really did but i i, I felt like uh I probably didn't have enough time. <laughs> there we go. I like that. Yeah, there we go. I better do it. Better to be it in, in person, anyways. Yeah. All right, absolutely. we got Greg here with us. Greg uh, has been in the Zoom room since noon, uh, and by my time, that's about <laughs> nine hours and twenty minutes. That's uh, crazy. He's been on hold, but it's so. But it's Oklahoma, uh, so you know, there's nothing to do. The guy's eyeballs are floating by now, so we're gonna get to Greg so that because he's doing a little dance over there. Uh, so, Greg, uh, what was the first <laughs> first fix you had to do on your Jeep since you owned it? First thing I had to do is I had to replace the uh, rear struts that hold up the the hatch on the XJ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is a 
all too common failure. I, I can't tell you how many rigs I've seen. And they're not uh, cheap I mean, either. They're not cheap things. Oddly enough, they're ten bucks really, a piece. They, they're ten bucks a piece. Of where I got? Oh, them. I was getting them for like thirty bucks. Uh, so I was yeah, yeah. I think uh, I spent about thirty on mine too. Uh, somewhere maybe twenty five, thirty, somewhere around there. But but and doing yeah. it the first time uh, is such a pain in the ass. Now, this, well, this clip. Well, where the hell did the clip go? <laughs> <laughs> exactly you lose that clip and you have to make your make a run to the junkyard to go get one off uh, yeah, of an old yeah. yeah there's no there's no getting around that clip you, you gotta have it and that is that is a huge pet peeve for me is is whether it's a hood or a, or you know a, a hatch lid or, or whatever it is so i'm working on a vehicle and the door won't stay open uh, whatever it is door hood you know the back hatch whatever it is I mean, that that just bugs the living s out of me and i, I it's oh, gotta and be you hit thick. your head and everything because you oh, no, you, you got to use the one good pair of vice clamp or vice grips you got to you know clamp onto that shaft to keep the you know from the shock from, from closing down so i mean but you know or you grab the broomstick or you know whatever but uh nonetheless it, well, the it's, ones it's, that are the, the 07 or the, the 97 to the old ones are made of metal the ones before that were fiberglass and we we bought the Jeep, got it home, and my daughter jumped in the back of it. She barely got in, and she got smashed by that thing pretty bad. So oh, I had to, that was the yeah, reason why I had to fix it the very first time. I fixed yeah, it the, the, the day metal. I bought it. Yeah, the ninety seven to oh ones, they're they are they're all metal and, and they, they weigh a they weigh a good amount. So yeah, you don't want that thing crack come crashing down on you. All right, Mudman084 with us. Uh, Mudman, what would you have to say is the first thing you fixed on your Jeep since you owned it? Uh, the steering stabilizer shock. Smashed it on one too many rocks when I was wheeling. <laughs> and we did that. Yeah, you're did, you, did you bend the tie rod at, at all, too? I mean, was there was there any other carnage other than just the shock, the steering shock stabilizer? Yep. Just the shock went to turn and couldn't turn. Oh, so you actually were in a situation where you could not turn it. Would It was jammed up and it wouldn't allow you to turn the wheel, huh? No, a nice easy turn turned into like a 30-point 30, 30 turn. 30-point <laughs> <laughs> turn, yeah. It's a little Austin Powers action there. There you go. Uh, so did you did you do an upgrade? Was it just an OE replacement? Did you do any modifications uh, while you were in there? I had a TerraFlex on it, and I stuck another one back on. And how's how's that done since then? Uh, was it was it a, was it a good uh, a good option, or uh, was it you know you kind of regret going that way? That's I'd have to, have to get rid of that Jeep almost right after I did the shock, and it was, seemed to run fun when I got rid of it. All right, what are you driving now? I upgraded to a 2015. There you go. There you go. Not too shabby. All right. What about Seven Bar Productions? Seven Bar Productions. Do you have anything that you would like to say about the uh, first fix on your Jeep? Yeah. So you remember when you guys were talking about, um, you know, those Jeeps with two thousand miles, and you probably hadn't had anything. Yeah, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're still welcome. <laughs> yeah. I knew we were going to find one of them. I knew we were going to find one in in here. So, uh, all right. Well, you know, nonetheless, uh, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, what about Joshua? Joshua here. Uh, what's the first thing you fixed on your Jeep? So my first Jeep was a 1988 Wagoneer Limited XJ. Uh, so I had the wood grain paneling and the, the quad headlights. Um, but the, that was my first vehicle. Uh, my dad bought it for me for, let's see, I was still 16 when he bought it. And it was paid a thousand bucks for it. Uh, for, very first thing we did. I'm six foot seven. I, I may not have been quite that tall when we bought it, but I had power seats and we had to uh, run jumper wires to the power seats to the battery just to move the seat. 
because parachutes oh, didn't work with the yeah the, it, it had all the bells and whistles but they just didn't work so they had power windows power locks power locks never worked uh, and, at, uh, at 16 that that's exactly the kind of vehicle that you need yeah <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, it's funny and actually, you my, that. Dad, my dad still owns it. Uh, so I put a three-inch lift kit on it. I put oh, 31s nice. on it. Um, and, and it ended up coming out nicely. And uh, I decided to go a different direction and went with a motorcycle uh, a couple years ago. And dad decided he wanted to buy the Jeep off me. He wanted to keep it. So he's still got it right now. Still in the family. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, it is good. Now it's it's kind of interesting. You, you bring up the old Wagoneer XJs. Uh, not too many people are familiar with with the early early Wagoneer XJs. Um, wood grain, right. uh, double stacked headlights, and stuff like that. Now there's a TV program that uh, I, I've been uh, just enamored with for for years and years. But I've been a cable cutter for God, I think I'm in my fourth year now, at least maybe maybe even five. Um, I recently got a Roku device and I uh, was able to get on Roku channel and I found I found Power Nation TV. They got a whole channel there dedicated to Power Nation. And this was a, a set yes. of um, a, a programs that used to only come on the weekends like on TNT or something like that. And it was like, yeah. you know, like engine builders and like trucks and extreme four by four. You know, that was the one with Ian and Jesse and stuff and you know, a bunch of great gearhead type TV shows. Well, I recently found them again and they were building um, a what they called a trash hawk. Uh, sort of their own version of a track hawk. Now they wanted to, uh, you know, to have a Jeep SUV. They wanted to have around 700 horsepower, um, and uh, and they didn't want to go out and drop 60 grand or more on on a track hawk um, and just have a Grand Cherokee. So what they did is they found like a 1983 or a 1984 uh, Wagoneer XJ, and uh, and they're dropping a 780 horsepower LS swap into it, uh, and just D- amazing, an amazing build. Uh, so you brought up that uh, brought up that old Wagoneer, and it reminded me about about that that program. And I actually wanted to talk about that here on the show. I was just looking for an opportunity to, and <laughs> you just so happened to bring it up. So perfect. There it is. Awesome <laughs> for that. Uh, moving on to Mark Popish. Mark, what would you have to say is the first fix that you did on your Jeep since you owned it? You know, I fixed a lot of things when I first bought it, but uh, the first thing that actually failed um, when I bought it, it was basically stock, and I. I wanted to find out if I was a Jeep guy or not. And, and the first thing that failed was the track bar. So I wanted to put nope. in just a stock replacement track bar on it because it, it had death wobble. That was, just to use the drive nice stuff to assess if I was yeah. a Jeep guy or not. Yeah, well, death wobble will, will uh, either make or break you as a Jeep guy. <laughs> I guess right? it may because I've had the Jeep for quite a while now. Well, it's, it's, Man, it's I, easy to fix. And most of the time, that's what it is. It's the track bar. So yeah, I, this uh, was pretty I, obvious. It was, it was shot. I uh, one time I sheared the track bar mount off the frame on my oh, Jeep. Oh, gee, I remember uh, this story. And, yeah, strapped <laughs> on, drove it home, got pulled over in the process. That, that's a whole other story. Um, but Hair straight I, up, I, looking like he'd just I seen a ghost. Have a <laughs> I didn't have a welder at the time, and and so it was. You know, I had to. I had it from my place over to a buddy's house. It was about three miles away um, on Surface Streets uh, to get over to where we could we could weld things up. Drove that over there without a track bar. Not mounted, not strapped up, nothing because it barely I barely made it home with the with the you know the the ratchet straps and bungee cords that I had to you know kind of get that thing on there. Um, and uh, ended up cutting everything off and uh, okay, there's no bolt on option. I'm gonna have to weld something on. Um, so we're heading over to a buddy's house. 
no track bar. I could not go over about 25, 30 miles an hour. Every pothole, manhole, every little pebble that I hit would cause that front axle to shift back and forth about a foot violently. <laughs> and that was my first experience with true, just utter sheer death wobble. Um, that, I mean, it was hold on for dear life, slow down as much as you can, try and stay in your lane, and God, let's hope that this, I don't crash this thing. And, and that was that kind of death wobble. Ever since then, I've, I've had, you know, little bits here and there for other reasons, but, but yeah, man, never experienced death wobble quite like that, uh, and I hope nobody else does. So if you ever have, actually have gone through death wobble, maybe that's what we ought to do here around the campfire one day, is, is share death yeah. wobble stories. You, that ought to be a good have, have you experienced death wobble or not? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> And tell your story. Are you so, a real yeah. jeeper? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, thank you very much for sharing uh, sharing that and, and sharing your story. Really cool stuff here. Good campfire segment tonight, guys. So we're going to uh, wrap this up. And uh, if you would like to join in on the campfire, you absolutely can. Uh, my apologies to everybody who didn't get a chance to come on on this episode. I know it's kind of a big deal with the 500th episode, but we are short on time. So I had to skip a few people. Big thanks to Mike Zen, Isaac. Larry, Weha, Chip, Chris, Greg, Christopher, Mudman, Seven Bar Productions, Joshua, and Mark, all for being around the campfire. For those I didn't get to, once again, my apologies. If you would like to join in on the campfire side chat, very easy to do so. All you, all you got to do is follow us on Facebook. That easy, right? Or you can receive notifications via our newsletter. And it's just as it's very easy to sign up for our newsletter and just as easy to unsubscribe. We don't spam you. We're not going to sell your information. None of that sort of stuff. Uh, you get one email a week. It's all about the newsletter. It's all about the inside information, giveaways, uh, how to join in, all that kind of stuff. You definitely want to subscribe. Hey, hey Josh, uh, you made a good point. This is the 500th episode, and I'm sure everybody would like to get in there and, and uh, say something. How about this real quick, uh, just a suggestion. How about happy 500th? If, uh, if all the Zoom people are ready, one, two, three. Happy, Happy 500! <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Love that. Love that. Love you guys, too. Uh, thanks to everybody for uh, joining on the show, and, uh, and hope you see you guys next week. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to tell everybody you know about the 4x4 Radio Network. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. I always told there'd be no mat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm guessing since 2010.